I V M. In this world, we're all so caught up in our own heads. It's easy to lose sight of what's real. Is Black Mirror unfolding in real life? What is a social credit system? Is China really descending into an Orwellian dystopia? Hi, you're listening to the Pragati Podcast and I'm your host, Hamsini Hariharan. Every week on the show, my co-host, Pavan Srinath and I get together to discuss policy, economics and international affairs. In a recent episode of the popular show Black Mirror, the lives of people are based on an app that ranks their popularity. This means that where you live, your reputation, how much you conform to society's norms and any and all personal decisions could affect the way you live your life. My guest on the show today may not be an expert on Black Mirror, but he is an expert on China. Manoj Kevar Ramani is a multimedia journalist who has been part of the media landscape in China. At the Takshashila Institution, he curates the weekly brief, Eye on China, which tracks developments in China from an Indian perspective. Hi, Manoj. Welcome to the Prakriti Podcast. So let's dive right in. What is social credit? What do these words even mean? Um, hi. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so... When you look at the idea of social credit, it's quite an old idea in some ways. It's uh, Although it's projected as this new thing that's come up, but it's quite an old idea. Um, it's a massive technological intervention that the Chinese government is undertaking. Um, it marries the idea of individual morality, uh, faithfulness, uh, government accountability, um, the accountability of enterprises, of businesses, um, the, guide, the ability of businesses to follow government policy, and implement plans, and along with all of that, individual morality, which talks about how an individual behaves in society. Along with that, of course, the fundamental aspect of is financial credit. So it marries these different areas which the Chinese government is looking to work in, uh, and it uses technology to try and implement a broad policy in all these different areas. So it's a very diffuse sort of policy. It touches on a number of different aspects, um, and that's where it is. Um, it's a policy that dates back to the 1990s. But apart from just China, it also dates back in uh, banks even further than that. I mean, the idea of assessing a particular person for their credit worthiness is something that's been happening for a while. And you do that by looking at their history and how they interact. And the reason why social credit sort of burst onto the scene is the idea that companies based not only in China, but America and elsewhere were using social media to assess how credit worthy a person was. So if you went and complained about something on uh, Facebook, for example, then it could lower your chances for securing a loan. And this seemed uh, to be a very uh, scary idea because a, you don't know how these algorithms work and uh, you don't know how discriminatory they could be in that sense because, you know, what are social norms? What are the things that we should be watchful for? You don't know if what you're doing is particularly on the wrong side of things, right? Yeah, um, I agree with that. I mean, see, the difference between social credit and traditionally how credit has been viewed is that um, there is a financial credit system in it with most countries where you are looking at an individual's credit worthiness, but you're looking at it purely in terms of um, financial standing. So do you own a house? Do you have a mortgage? Um, what is your income? Uh, do you own credit cards? How, how often are you paying those bills on time? So, and if you've taken a loan, how much, how frequently are you servicing it well? If you're servicing it well, if you're not servicing it well. So you, financial credit essentially covers those aspects of an individual's life. 
Um, the difference, of course, like you mentioned with social credit is that it's looking at other avenues of your life. Um, now, in most countries in the world, obviously, we are in a very data is the big thing in, in the world today. Um, every company is trying to leverage data from social media. Um, but those are at sort of different individual company levels. Now, if you look at a government which is going to marry the idea of my political opinion online mm. with uh, my financial credit worthiness, there's a complete divergence in that. Um, and there are pitfalls in that. And there are serious pitfalls in terms of just finances. There are also serious pitfalls in terms of individual liberties. So that's where the concerns come into play. Um, and that's where social credit sort of becomes a problem. Um, but yeah, that's largely what the idea is. So I agree with you. So are there any other fears that people have towards the idea of social credit as a concept? Uh, I don't, I haven't heard too much of as a concept because it's a fairly, in terms of a concept, in terms of implementation, it's fairly new. It's mm. not been implemented in a certain way. And honestly, I don't think most governments really know how to implement something like this. Mm. And for industry, so if you look at uh, the financial sector in the West or in India, how does any bank for which I'm approaching for a car loan, how does it matter to them what my opinion on, say, a policy on banning meat in the country mm-hmm. is? It makes no difference because uh, we're a different society. We function differently. So the relevance of that information that you're taking is also an issue. And therefore, in China, obviously, you're looking at all these things being married together. It's a different government. It's a different style of governance. Uh, they're marrying all this together. But if you look at the public discourse in China, so on social media, on in the blogosphere, in the national media, you don't see the sense of concern. Mm. You don't see that there is a sense of concern among people where they are worried about uh, censorship. Of course, there are pockets of concern. But if you look at it as a, as a mass, you do not see that concern evident. Fair enough. So why is a social credit system important or why do some states think of it as necessary or do they think of it as necessary i don't think by and large states i mean so it depends on the nature of a society i mean if you're looking at the west these are fairly free societies uh, where you cherish the idea of freedom of thought freedom of expression you cherish the idea of dissent to a certain degree um in comparison if you're looking like looking at a society like china where the guiding philosophy, because the Confucian philosophy is about, uh, you know, uh, obedience is about some degree of respect for authority. Filial piety. Filial piety. Um, so if that's sort of from a unit of a family, if you're going to go up to the state, the idea of this Confucius philosophy is about respecting hierarchy. Mm. Um, so in that sort of a society, which is very vertical, you it's easier for governments to try and implement some of these things. Um, and therefore, the agenda also flows with a certain philosophical weightage to it. Um, so that's why the Chinese are looking at it. That's one sort of social aspect of it, where they see that it is feasible to do this. There will be social acceptance of it. The other area where they're looking at it is that China is a fairly centrally planned country in some ways. Yes, it is capitalistic today in many ways, but much of the economic planning happens at the government level, sort of industries work with government direction. Of course, there are disruptive Industries are disruptive sectors. Technology is one of them. But by and large, everybody tries and adheres to some governmental goals. Um, And the idea is to try and take this policy at a broad level, enterprise, bureaucracy, individuals, and ensure better obedience, better fulfillment of goals and policies. Okay, so how is China carrying out this social credit system? That's a good question. It's um, so a lot of this is very opaque. Um, But while saying that, I mean, it is important to be mindful of the fact that it's not that the government is not giving you any information. Mm. Um, There are plenty of official documents that are out there. 
Um, a lot of different plans are out there. So there's enough material to sift through to understand at an objective level what is being planned. Okay. Um, the issue comes in terms of specifics of implementation. Hmm. So one of the things that they're doing in terms of implementation is if I can break it down, is that... Could you first go back and tell us so how social credit even works in China? What the policy is before we jump okay. into it? So the policy is largely, like I explained, um, it's a policy that's marrying multiple different factors. Um, what they're doing is that they're trying to bring about uh, better financial governance. Uh, they're trying to bring about better efficiency in how the government operates. Um, they're trying to bring about, of course, to a certain degree of social morality in terms of how people interact with each other, how people interact with companies, how people interact with banks and how people interact with the state. Hmm. So they're looking at those sorts of aspects. Um, so the policy largely, it's there's no single definition of it in that sense, but Essentially, it's trying to bring about what they call sincerity, hmm. um, sincerity in government functions, sincerity in individual operations, sincerity in enterprise, um, since judicial sincerity. So these are sort of the four pillars of the policy. So they're trying to build a sincere society and they want to build a society by 2020, is it? Like I said, the 2020, yes. I mean, the guideline that was issued in 2014, which was a national guideline issued by the state council, which is the Chinese cabinet, effectively. Um, that guideline is from 2014 to 2020. Um, but like I said, at the, when you read that guideline, it's an onerous, long document. Um, uh, it doesn't necessarily tell you that by 2020, we are going to nationally have the system in place. What it tells you is that we are going to have basic and hopefully perfect frameworks in place. Um, so I, I don't see the 2020 deadline as seriously as maybe mm -hmm. some others do. Okay. Um, so as a policy, like I was saying, that is... As a policy, that's what it's doing. There are these four pillars, which is the judiciary, the government, the enterprise and the individual. Um, and you're trying to inculcate sincerity in all of this through in all of these in how they interact with each other and with the state uh, through better use of data. All right. So how are they implementing it? OK, so how they're implementing it is that um, at the moment, there is no nationwide implementation that's underway. Um, what they're doing is that they are carrying out different pilots. Um, so there are three, if you could categorize these pilots into three categories, which is um, a governmental level, but those government level pilots are at city levels. Mm -hmm. um, so there are about some 30, 37 cities where pilots are currently underway. Um, but in saying that it is important to stress that it's not even necessary that the entire city geographically is where the pilot is underway. So for example, in Shanghai, there are just two districts where the pilot is underway. Okay. So it's not even all of Shanghai. Hmm. Um, and each of these different cities and different provinces have issued their own implementation plans. Um, so there is a difference between how what Shanghai is doing and say what a city in Anhui is doing. Okay. Um, so, so for example, there are certain cities where uh, these differences can come in the form of the, the grade at which you're rated. So Shanghai hmm. has a rating system of, you know, good, uh, bad, good, very good, uh, in comparison, other cities have a rating system of points, which go from 300 to 850. Um, so there is no harmony in what's being done mm -hmm. in different places. Each of these are pilot projects. Um, each, some of them have uh, a punishment system. If you, if your points are low, some of them don't have a punishment system. For so, for example, in Shanghai, um, even if your social credit rating is bad, um, you'd have no penalties imposed on you. Okay. If it's good, you do have certain uh, advantages. You do like? get certain benefits. So there may be times that you might get, um, say, uh, easier access to parking areas, uh, easier rentals of bikes. Um, so, you know, cheaper rentals wow. of bikes. Okay. So there are certain benefits that, are, that accrue to you, um, but there are no penalties in Shanghai. All right. uh, in contrast, in, another, in other cities where you might have penalties like uh, 
Um, say, for example, if your credit score is low because you've not abided by a judicial order against you. Mm. Um, so f- uh, just as an example, uh, if you've lost a case and you've been asked to pay alimony uh, in, a, in your di- as a divorce settlement and you've not abided by it, um, the government could eventually put your name up on a billboard. Um, you could be your picture could be put up on a television screen um, or your mobile caller tune could be changed. To, <laughs> yes, so that when somebody calls you, um, they will be informed that this is an individual who has a poor credit rating, who has not abided by a judicial order. Um, so be mindful of how you deal with him. I don't know if I should laugh or be appalled by this. <laughs> so th- this is this is the uh, nature of... Uh, and you can see how this has um, little necessary linkage mm. to uh, an individual's financial credit worthiness. You know, I might have lost a case in a different context, uh, which doesn't necessarily involve paying money. Um, I might be very well off. I might be running multiple businesses. But just because I've lost a certain case um, to deny me financial credit because of that um, mm. is something which is problematic. They might not necessarily correlate. So that's one thing at the government level, that there are pilot projects going on at city levels. Um, the other idea is as a sectoral level. So the Chinese government is identifying certain sectors. It's very mm. unclear which are these sectors. Okay. But one can sense from the documents that have come out that there are different areas. So for example... There are industries which are polluting, Hmm. uh, particularly industries in smaller cities where there is water pollution. So you're looking at some of these industries and saying, okay, they need to abide by environmental norms. Hmm. So we will look at this as a sector where we will implement a social credit policy. So companies get rated. Hmm. Um, The poorer the rating, the lesser the access to money, the lesser the business. Um, That's one model. Um, So that's another government pilot project which is going on at sector levels. The third kind of pilot projects are with private companies. Hmm. Um, this at the moment is in limbo because um, in 2015, approvals were given to eight private companies, including the most popular of them was uh, and Financial Sesame Credit. Um, you had Tencent Holdings, which was given the opportunity. So a lot of these companies were given the opportunity to experiment with their own forms of social credit. Um, so they would try social credit based on how their customers were consuming their products. Absolutely. So all, all of these companies are essentially fintech companies. Hmm. So individuals are interacting with them online and they are gathering a massive chunk of data constantly. Hmm. Um, and the idea was that as you interact online on the platform, um, the kind of purchases you make, um, if you're a buyer, the kind of purchases you make. So if you're going to be buying video games consistently, that's looked down upon because you're probably then spending a lot of time playing video games as opposed to indulging in more productive activities. Um, likewise, if you're buying a lot of cigarettes online or something like that, um, you get, you know, you get penalized in terms of your scores. But this could extend to anything, right? Say, even if I'm reading books, which is a productive activity, the type of books that I'm reading will reflect on my social credit because I could be reading just chick lit or sci-fi constantly instead of reading academic works. No, absolutely. And that is where uh, sort of the fundamental problem of enforcing a certain kind of morality on society comes into play. Um, I mean, arguably, somebody who's playing video games might be a massive technology enthusiast who could get you your next big breakthrough, Hmm. um, who could devise systems for, say, you know, if somebody's playing, somebody's excellent at Counter-Strike, that that kid, that 18-year-old could be maybe your next guy who devises cyber war games techniques for you. You know, you never know. Um, but the idea of enforcing a certain kind of morality on an individual, um, mm. which is state directed, is where it's problematic. Um, but this private sector experiment is presently on hold. So in June 2017, 
um, the government was supposed to reissue licenses to these companies and it held back. Um, it held back. It was quite a storm. It's still not clear what the policy on this is going to be. I mean, Tencent recently attempted to relaunch its own credit platform, um, but it had to backtrack. Um, this happened in the last two months. So it's unclear in terms of what the policy is going to be with these private players. Um, the reason that the licenses were not issued were essentially the government realizes that this these are all fintech companies. They're collecting a massive amount of data. A lot of this data is irrelevant to financial credit worthiness. And if banks and, you know, the sort of banking industry in China is raising this concern, which they are, um, what is the utility of this data that they're gathering? And also there is a conflict of interest because if I'm eventually going to incorporate all these companies into my national scheme, will they actually share the data with each other? Because hmm. they are competitors. Um, so what does it do to that uh, fintech industry in the country? Um, so it was on these grounds that uh, the licenses were not issued uh, because previously they were just given approvals. Now it was at a point where they were supposed to issue licenses um, and these licenses were not issued. And at present also, there is no clarity in terms of how the government wants to approach this. Um, there are two other aspects of um, implementation um, in terms of progress that's been made. Okay, so the first of these is uh, this broad idea of building frameworks. Um, what are these frameworks? These frameworks are essentially laws and regulations which will feed into the social credit system. Um, what that implies is, so for example, if China is going to upgrade its food safety law, um, that gives a guideline for companies, for restaurants, for industry to comply with. And if you don't comply with them, therefore your social credit gets affected. Um, likewise, if you upgrade your work safety law, so these new norms that come into place, which on the basis of which an individual or an organization will be assessed, this is all seen as a larger part of the social credit system in the sort of grand scheme of things. Um, so this is another pl place where they've sort of continued to make progress. But this is part of also regular legislative agenda. Hmm. Um, but this feeds into uh, the social credit system. Um, the last sort of two specific things that they've changed are um, they've come up with a national ref registry sort of mechanism where for enterprises and for individuals where you get one specific number. Right. Not, not everybody has this one specific number so far. It's just being implemented. But they've set up a framework for this. Um, how this makes it easier is that, say, if you're a company which is based in some town, maybe Suzhou in Jiangsu, um, and you've got subsidiaries which are elsewhere or, you know, your other offices elsewhere, um, you've got a second office in maybe Guangzhou. Um, there are different numbers associated to your registry at these different local government levels. Um, so this will now erode and you will have one national number. This allows better transmission of information between the bureaucracies of these different areas and at the national level. So you can be judged according to that. Um, so they've come up with this for the enterprise and also for the individuals. Okay. Um, but these are still being implemented. Um, the last thing with this is uh, obviously pulling out blacklists. So mm. they have a judicial blacklist. Um, if you've not abided by court orders, you go on that judicial blacklist. Um, those blacklists are available publicly for anybody who logs in and takes a look at them. So as an individual or as a business, if you're looking to invest with a certain company, uh, you just scan through and you check and you realize, oh, okay, this guy is not all that great. Um, his rating is quite poor. So it gives me a guide whether I should be working with you as an as a company. Uh, and also as an individual, it gives me a sense of, well, okay, this guy has not lived up to certain standards. He's not paid his rent on time regularly. He's not paid his telephone bills on time regularly. Um, so it's probably as a company, if I'm going to issue you a card, I'm a little worried 
Um, so it gives you the, those sorts of guides. Um, and they've put out these blacklists, which are publicly available. So that's largely the implementation bit. There's one bit that I wanted to go back to. All right. Um, when we spoke about why implement such a policy. Hmm. Um, well, so one of the fundamental things, if you look at the early debate hmm. on social credit in China, which is sort of dates back to 1999, the summer of 1999. Okay. Why is this important? Um, I'll tell you, uh, this is important because if you see the documents from that point of time and also the writings thereafter about that point of time, um, you will see that the primary motivation for this is that the financial credit system in China, which at that point of time was at the turn of the millennium, it was an economy which was really picking up, um, but it was largely a cash-based economy in terms of how it transacted. So the idea was that we need to rely more on credit. Okay. Um, and as we grow further, credit is going to become more significant. Hmm. Um, so the motivation, the primary motivation was that, okay, we need to rely on credit. We need to reduce government involvement okay. um, in terms of how resources are allocated. So there was a financial motivation to all of this. Now, the understanding of how the social bit comes into all of this was even at that early stage, the conversation, uh, a committee was set up in 1999 by then Premier Zhu Rongji. And the conversation, the committee's report stresses on the fact that, yes, while we need to build these systems of credit, we don't have enough people to assess data. We don't have enough data storage facilities. Um, we don't know what data to collect. Um, so while you are building all this, at the base of all of this has to be a certain idea of faith keeping. Um, sanctity of contracts. Hmm. Um, so this sort of engages companies, individuals, and therefore this fed into the idea of social credit. Um, so that's broadly one of the aspects to look at. Okay. Manoj, I'm going to point out some similarities and you can tell me if they raise any flags for you. Hmm. All right. Uh, one is the idea that you need to have a credit system which doesn't rely so much on cash. So it seems a little like digitization in hmm. what we're doing in India. The other is the allocation of resources, which again has been a problem in India so far. Uh, the third that you're talking about is fears of uh, how your data might be used, whether it's by the state or also transferring among third parties and how it might affect uh, you on a personal, professional level. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of this sounds like the other system to me. <laughs> uh, so just in terms of that, what? I know the other system is not supposed to be designed like a social credit system. Mm. Uh, but in terms of similarities or differences, what do you think? I think there's fundamental difference. I think the fundamental difference is that Aadhaar is essentially um, essentially an identity document. Um, it goes beyond that to a certain extent in terms of how it's being implemented and how it's being implemented on the ground, not necessarily in terms of what the policy framework is. Um, it goes a little bit beyond that because it links to welfare schemes. Um, but beyond that, Aadhaar, at least in terms of the current imagination of the government, has very little scope. Um, so that's one thing in terms of intent. Um, obviously, intent can change. Um, the second thing is capacity. Um, internet penetration in India compared to internet penetration in China, um, there's a vast difference. Um, yes, India will catch up. Um, but the capacity in terms of having that infrastructure to do something like this. Secondly, the capacity at the government level to do like something like this. I mean, China is essentially a one-party state, effectively. Um, so there is a, yes, there are distinctions between local governments in terms of how they operate. There are different interests, but it's far less diverse as compared to something like India. I mean, India is extremely diverse. Mm. So your political interests, your bureaucratic interests are far different from, say, what they would be for the Chinese 
So in terms of state's ability and the state's capacity to do some of these things, um, I think they are vastly different. I sort of, I can see a certain surface level comparison when people talk about Aadhaar, and, but I think that's largely to do with some overblown concerns with regard to Aadhaar. Aadhaar poses some real privacy concerns, yes, but some of those are exaggerated um, when you compare it to the social credit system. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, if you look at the discourse in China on social credit, which like I said earlier was, it's minimally critical. There is hardly any criticism versus the discourse in India and the actions that have been taken given the fact that this is in the Supreme Court. Um, that's never going to happen in China. So the ability, the capacity of the Indian state to envision something and to implement something like this, um, even if it sees it as something that is in its interests, um, which I don't see that it necessarily might, but um, I doubt some of those things. So I feel some of these comparisons at a very superficial level. Fair enough. So what are things that we should be watching out uh, with respect to the social credit system in the next couple of years, maybe? I think what we should be watching out is, um, so there are a couple of things. The first thing is the 2020 deadline. Hmm. Um, Like I said, a lot of people see it as this deadline when a national system will be rolled out. I don't see it as that way. What I see by 2020, what I see as happening is a new document coming out, laying out a roadmap, um, looking at the best practices of what has been implemented so far. Um, looking at some of the achievements that have been made, looking at how this is how this has progressed, um, and then looking at drawing a roadmap for the future, um, perhaps harmonizing some of the best practices, um, and then putting that out with a probably probably a better and a more sort of finite deadline that this is when we are going to roll this out. At the moment, all of this is voluntary. Hmm. Um, I presume by 2020 they will start making it mandatory. Um, so for Chinese citizens, that's one of the things that I think that we can look out for. Um, the other thing that I think we should look out for is in terms of how the state goes about implementing this with regard to foreign nationals in China. Um, invariably, if you're working, uh, if you're a foreign organization, if you're a national living in China, foreign national living in China, invariably, you will be part of the system. However, whatever sort of, uh, you know, whatever incentives the state might end up giving you, you will invariably part of the system because if you are operating in that country, uh, and the government has been saying this. If you look at what the Chinese government has been saying since the 19th Party Congress, they've been talking about a level playing field for foreign companies and for domestic companies and sort of same rules, uh, which means greater intervention of the Communist Party in their operations. And also some of these basic rules that if I'm abiding by these social credit rules and I'm being rated, why aren't you? So you're looking at foreign firms and individuals also getting entangled in this. The last thing that I think that we should be careful of, and I think this is sort of a wider application of this policy, is in terms of how it impacts people living outside China. So if I'm an Indian national who uses Alibaba, who uses Taobao, who uses some of these uh, systems to platforms to purchase products, or if I'm using Tencent chatting apps, WeChat, mm-hmm. um, and if these are companies which are going to be feeding data to the government, it's, a, it's very, very possible for my data to be clearly tabulated, calculated without even me knowing it, and for that data to be used to assign certain scores if I'm, say, approaching the Chinese embassy for a visa. Hmm. Um, I could be rejected visa on the grounds of some of my views um, on certain issues. Um, so I think it invariably will extend in that sense um, because Chinese companies are going global. Um, Alibaba today is one of the biggest technology companies in the world. Tencent's WeChat has massive uh, usage outside of China also. And there are reports of, you know, encryptions not working, data with government. So you have these reports and you have these concerns. 
Um, so in that sense, you can expect the system to go global. Um, in a final sense, I think that once the Chinese have implemented this policy, um, if you look, look at it in conjunction with the idea of the digital Silk Road hmm. and the idea of laying these fiber optic cables, providing capacities to other states, um, it would be not unimaginable that this would be a governance philosophy, a sort of solution which the Chinese might want to export in different formats. Um, and you can see that in terms of these cyber, cyber governance norms, the Chinese have been extremely keen. Um, they've, held, they've held the cyber, uh, this conference, the internet conference in Wujin mm -hmm. for a couple of years now. Um, and the last few months after the 19th Party Congress in December, another conference was held. And there was much talk of the idea of this China solution um, so this could potentially become a governance model that they look to export. Um, it's not, again, it's not a new idea. It's something that like I went back to 1999, the 1999 committee actually discussed some of these things and spoke about that when you build such a system, it has to be a system for China, but it has to be a system that is adaptable and that you can export as a soft power tool. Um, it'll do much more than soft power. Um, but you can see that there is an intention to do that. So I anticipate some of this will happen in the future. All right. Thanks so much, Manoj, for Pleasure. being on the Pragati podcast today. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. If you heard anything on the show that you agree or disagree with or are unclear about, you can mail us at podcast at thinkpragati.com. You can also find Pavan and me on Twitter as at Zeus is Dead and at Hamsni H. You can listen to the Pragati podcast on the IVM podcast app or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. We'll see you next Thursday. He bends down to test the warm water for his bath. He comes here to quench his thirst for a hot shower and some podcasts. You can witness how he enjoys having other people talk about cool stuff in his bathroom. Indeed, it helps him with his loneliness. You can find more of his species on ivmpodcast.com, your one-stop destination where you can check out the coolest Indian podcasts. Happy listening.